Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world controversy or ripped-from-the-headlines crisis. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also bring in thought leaders to help us discern. My guest today is Ingrid Christensen. She's a translation guru who owns Inco International, which translates for business and public entities in more than 200 languages. Her new book, The Language of Trust, is a big reason I wanted her expertise on the crisis files. Her book came out in spring 2023 and looks at how we trust, why we trust, and who we should trust. Ever wondered what it would be like to have heart surgery with a team that speaks a completely different language from you, but you're about to put your life in their hands? What about needing to enroll your English-speaking child in kindergarten, but you yourself have a basic or poor understanding of the English language? Who do you trust? Much of it has to do with understanding the message in a language you know and trust. Ingrid dives into all of this with us in the case file I call Trust Talks. Whoa, and doesn't trust talk. Roshini, I was sparked to write this book based on the 25 years of experience that I've had in the language services. And I clearly remember my very first interpreting job. I was sent to Children's Hospital in Minneapolis, and I walked into the exam room, and there was this family holding this beautiful baby. She was crying. You could see something was wrong. The parents were visibly upset. And when I got there and I was able to start utilizing my Spanish and English skills as an interpreter, I could visibly see the stress and anxiety instantly melt from their face. And I knew in a moment that I had somehow miraculously garnished an incredible layer of trust with them that they didn't have. And it wasn't just with the family, with the parents. It was also with the doctor. It was this ability to be this bridge of communication that automatically created a trusting relationship. And through the 25 years that I've been doing this work, this concept of trust just kept coming up over and over and over again. And so I had this really amazing opportunity to spend a year researching trust, figuring out what it is, what it isn't, and what it means to a lot of different people. So I'm really excited to talk about why trust talks. Trust does talk, Ingrid. And even though you research for a year, you have about 25 years of just doing the work. And that's really what fascinates me. You watched firsthand. You've experienced, whether it's you yourself or your translators, in helping the end user, and I want you to get into that with us, really feel either comfortable or informed. Maybe it's a healthcare situation, a job situation, an immigration situation. These are life-defining moments, Ingrid. And I think many of us who either comfortably, fluidly walk in and out a different language or I mean, I don't speak a second language. My French is very rusty. I understand my parents' mother tongue, can't speak it. But English is really my working language. I take for granted because most of what I do every day is in English. But that isn't the case for a lot of people. It's not. And trust is so innately embedded in what it is to be human. And one thing that we know for sure is that none of us can avoid crisis. 
You're the we crisis. know that at the crisis files. You sure do. You're the crisis expert. And so you know that at some point something is going to happen and you're going to have to communicate and you're going to have to get to a trusting level as soon as possible. It's the understanding of the ability to communicate to somebody in a way that they want to be communicated to where that trust begins to really start to flourish and grow. And I think what's really interesting, even for individuals that don't ever come across anyone that doesn't speak another language, is that we can do this with the people that we speak the same language with. In fact, we do it all the time. The way that I speak to my teenager is very different than the way I speak to my employees. And what is that based in? I believe it's based in trust-based communication in really wanting to make sure that who I'm speaking with understands what I'm trying to say. And that really goes miles in the trust creation and that trust cultivation. All right. So let's talk about the end user. Now, in the case of you and your son, you don't necessarily need a translation service, although sometimes (laughs) maybe you did when he was younger. But when we're talking about the professional needs and all these different public and private entities, and now as the world is just getting smaller and people are working across the globe, Translation services or the need to understand something that started in another language and needs to get to your language, it makes all of us at some point an end user. Get into who that end user is, why it matters. Yeah, so for me, the end user is the person that is receiving the communication to either receive a product or a service. And let me break that down a little bit more. In the first scenario that I talked about, the family in the doctor's office with the baby and my definition of end user, the family was the end user in that instance. They were the ones that were utilizing the language services to be able to receive healthcare. Now, let's change that to a corporate setting. A corporate setting, their job is to sell their products and services. Well, they can't sell something if nobody can read it. So it's their job to make sure that their content is fully accessible in whatever language their target market speaks, be them in China or Florida or Minnesota or Mexico. Wherever they are, they really have to get into the hearts and minds of those buyers. For me, that trust-based communication really grows both ways. It doesn't matter if you're a for-profit or nonprofit organization. Your job is to sell more. If you're selling more products and services, reaching more clients, offering more services, whatever it is, you have to be able to speak to the people that are going to obtain and purchase your services. And that's where I think it's really important and where we can start to begin and and broaden this concept of trust-based communications. I'm so glad you dove into this with your book, The Language of Trust. Let's talk about employee-employer, okay? Trust-based communication is so important for employee satisfaction, which then hopefully leads to employee retention. When we don't have trust, that's one of the number one reasons people leave workplaces. Exactly. And we've all witnessed this great resignation, the great reshuffling of jobs, of workplaces. And I don't think that that's anything that we're going to see a big shift in, right? The economy is going to continue to shift and it's going to continue to ebb and flow And even more, we are a global economy. People are moving around the world, around states, across borders all of the time. And so that's never going to go back to where it was before. So what I think is really important is to understand that our employers have a responsibility just as much to their employees as they do to their potential clients to, again, speak to them in the way they want to be spoken to. I'll tell a quick story 
We represent a large agricultural company, and they were hosting these employee wellness company-wide virtual chats. And they were hosting them only in English, but they were inviting employees from around the world. One of their HR managers realized that they had an opportunity to get better buy-in, to build better relationships, and to cultivate some of those nourishing trust-based communication techniques by speaking to their staff in a language that they understood. So we were able to bring in, I think it was about eight different languages that we interpreted simultaneously. And the feedback was incredible. In fact, one of the individuals that had been with the organization for about 20 years said for the first time ever, she felt seen and heard. Now, she understood English, but that wasn't her native tongue. Yes, exactly. So now she gets this translation. The company cared. She felt seen and heard. She felt seen and heard, and she felt for the first time that somebody respected her, her personality, her language, her culture, and again, her because she was seen and heard. And that's what we all want at the end of the day, right? We want to be seen and heard. And for her, that was a huge gift and a huge effort on part of that company to really lend a helping hand, extend that bridge of communication. That is a great story. You have talked about bridges all the time. You just said it here. You talk about it in your book. Language access really does create bridges. What are some ways that we in our current lives, whether it's our community, our hobbies, our neighborhoods, our employee-employer situations, can be a bridge builder? Yeah, so I talk about a few different techniques for trust cultivation and nourishment throughout the book. But one of the things that kept coming up over and over again was this concept of communicating early and often and carving out time to communicate. We are all moving a million miles a minute. There's a bazillion things coming at us on all of our devices everywhere we walk, right? We're bombarded with information. So I know just as much as everyone else does how hard it is to carve out that time for quality communication. But I also know that if something is worth saying, it's worth saying right. It's worth communicating with intention. It's worth communicating with a little bit of vulnerability. And it's worth communicating in an authentic manner that the person you're speaking with really has an ability and the action time to absorb that communication. And so this concept of Communicating early and often is something that I really strive for. So what are the things that are the most important messages and how can we continuously deliver those messages in a variety of different ways so that people can understand them? And I think that's important on the workplace. It certainly is important in, in my in my household. I mean, how many times do I have to tell the teenager to pick up the shoes from the floor? Right. (laughs) Or even people that you don't necessarily want to talk to. We have to talk to people we don't want to talk to sometimes. And really being patient and knowing what your talking points are and communicating them early and often is one of the techniques that I teach in the book about trust communication. You know, it's interesting, Ingrid, because communicating early and often is actually a best practice for reaction to crisis. Mm. So how wonderful would it be if we did that first and maybe prevented a crisis? Well, that would be great, but then all the crises might disappear, and then what would we do? Yeah, I would go out of business. But (laughs) like we say, it's not a matter of if, but when. That crisis will happen. 
Let's talk about some fun angles on translation services that many of us know about or have heard about, which is something like Google Translator, other translation apps. What's your take on that? My guess is you're going to say that they do not replace a human translator or you'd go out of business. But, I mean, how can we have both in our lives? Yeah, I, I think that that's great. And as much as possible, I really try to lean into technology and embrace it because it's not going anywhere. And something like Google Translate, to be honest, is fine for what it does in certain purposes. Like I need to know how to say bathroom in Portuguese. Right. I don't need to call you then. I just will go to Google <laughs> Translate. <laughs> I'm probably not going to answer for your one word bathroom. <laughs> but here's an example. I was recently in Slovakia trying to read a menu and I'm trying to be respectful also of the waitstaff. And I didn't want to ask them to translate the entire menu for me. Well, that's a perfect example of when something like Google Translate does the job, right? I know the difference between a hamburger and a pizza and a piece of chicken. I can do the basics. Here's the thing about the current state of AI tools in regards to translation. In the best case scenario for common language like Spanish and French, they're about 30% accurate. Maybe you can get a little bit better accuracy depending on the quality of the original content. But here's the deal. If I'm undergoing a major surgery, if I'm getting a heart transplant, if I'm sending my kid to school, I think I need to know more than 30%. 30% is like an F. That's an F. <laughs> That's enough. Well, that is a very interesting statistic. So the human touch, it's nice to hear in your profession, the human touch is definitely needed, sought after. What are some of, I guess I shouldn't say craziest, because nothing is crazy when it comes to language, but maybe more unknown or more remote languages that your company translates? I mean, it's just fascinating to me. 200 languages. Right. So there's over 7,000 languages spoken on the globe, which is... That's a wow. Right? That is a huge wow. We, on average, translate about 200 different languages every year. It's not consistently the same languages. It just happens to be the number that it runs around. And it really depends on so many things, right? Global economy, migration, immigration, crises like famine and war and illness. People move and ebb and flow. And so language needs change based on where you are and where the people are coming from. In Minnesota specifically, we receive and welcome a lot of refugees from a lot of different countries. And sometimes these families are placed into greater Minnesota in little teeny tiny towns where we don't necessarily have a local linguist that is able to bridge that communication gap, right? So that's a perfect example of when we can leverage technology to bring the interpreter or bring the translator digitally into that location. Coming back to your original question, crazy stories. I mean, Roshini, we could sit here for the next seven days and I'd have you rolling on the floor laughing with some of the craziness that happens. You know, in an industry that revenue-wise is larger than the global music industry, there's a lot that happens in this business. You know, you never really know what you're going to walk into. You never know what a client is going to ask of you or expect of you. I would say that's one of the more interesting things about this industry is that every single day is something different. Has there ever been something a client has wanted you to do and you said, no, our translators don't do that? Oh, for sure. Can you share? 
all of our interpreters and translators are contractors, right? So they have the right to accept or not accept a job. And there are some jobs that interpreters or translators are just not willing to accept based on gender roles or based on religious beliefs. Certainly not everyone feels comfortable with some sort of contraceptive treatments or end-of-life treatments. You know, not everybody feels comfortable sitting alongside somebody as they take their last breath. And translate for that And translate episode. without showing emotion. Because you do have to be as non-judgmental you as You have possible. to be. A, you don't have a choice. You have to be non-judgmental. You are there to be the voice of the voiceless, and that's it. And that's a really hard part of our job is that we don't get to deal with those emotions until afterwards. I'm sure a lot of listeners, and I'm sure you'll remember the fire at the Cedar Riverside apartment buildings. In the Twin Cities of Minnesota. In the Twin Cities of Minnesota a couple years ago. And it happens to be a building where a lot of Somali residents live. And unfortunately, there were a few people that died in the fire. And when our interpreters were called to the scene by the police department and by the fire department, they didn't know what they were going to walk into. They thought it was a fire and they were going to help displace families get into a new safe location. Well, unfortunately, they had to go with family members to identify the deceased. Right. That's not something they could possibly prepare for emotionally. So that is one thing that we do train our interpreters on. But they're faced with all sorts of trauma, really depending on what is being asked of them at the time. And you know, that's certainly not a crazy or, or funny story, but it's it's a realistic story. It's an accurate portrayal of, of our industry. Right. And it's not boring. So if there are people out there who are looking for an exciting career and have a language or two that they're comfortable with, I mean, Inco International could be your next employer. Let's talk about some key spaces you're in, healthcare and education. So important that the end user gets the information in the language they are comfortable with. I can't think of any more fundamental human right than education and healthcare, right? Everybody has the right to basic education to improve their life. And families are sending their kiddos into schools and they have a right to know what kind of education they're obtaining and how to get the best education for them. And myself, as an English speaking educated parent, I know how much I have to advocate on behalf of my child to make sure he gets what he needs. And I can't imagine how difficult that is for individuals that don't speak the language. That's a perfect example. Or healthcare. We've all gone through a healthcare crisis, either ourselves or a family member, a parent. My father had a heart attack last summer, and I had to be the key advocate for him. If I hadn't been there and I didn't understand the healthcare system, I can't imagine what would have occurred. And this was all in English. This was all in English. So try to do that in another language. Thanks to Ingrid for a fabulous conversation. We trust our listeners learned a lot and may even look at their own language differently. Find The Language of Trust on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Target. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Goff Public. Number one, language access creates a bridge of communication, which helps relieve stress and anxiety during key life moments. Number two, employers have a responsibility to their employees. If employees can't understand, they'll leave. Number three, there are more than 7,000 languages spoken around the world. Non-judgment is important. Reputation issues can arise quickly and unexpectedly. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. 
Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at golfpublic.com. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive and special videos. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help with your specific needs. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.